Welcome to the For the Throne Dynasty Podcast. Starring your defending champion, Randy of House Santarelli, Ryan of House Palmer, Logan of House Meyer, Tyler of House Para, Danny of House Sladke, Jake of House Hollyfield, Andy of House Pollock, Michael of House Sladke, Justin of House St. Peter, Steve of House Ellinger, Garrett of House Sturkin, and Will of House Larson. Welcome in to week two of our team preview for the Throne podcast. This week we are going to be breaking down team Mrs. Burrow, which is owned by Andy. And Will, are you excited for this episode? Man, I'm excited for this preview. There is a lot of work to be done, but she's going to be seeing that and she's going to try to dig her team from the grave come out of the ground like the undertaker and that's why we're here we're here to offer uh, you know as much advice as we possibly can we we ultimately get at the end of the day this is her team but we're only here to help her out because we want her to be competitive in this league along with us just like last week we have four different segments first of all looking at the draft and the depth chart and cuts we're going to get into our commentary we're going to get into last year looking at some scores and then finally we're going to wrap it up by talking about the season preview to come so let's get started first by looking at andy's startup draft starting it off 103 christian mccaffrey that is outstanding value looking back would you agree he ultimately fell into her lap and i'm kind of again surprised that he fell all the way to three so right away when Andy took Christian McCaffrey, she she hit a home run. I mean, she, she was out of the gates and running and uh, doing extremely well. I mean, he, he definitely set the tone for her team last year. Uh, he was a great pickup. And then at the 210, we have Antonio Brown, and obviously we know that he got himself into some trouble. Obviously, we as fantasy football players cannot predict that to happen. He had been a top-notch wide receiver for years so she still does have him on her roster. Again, she was kind of towards the end of the second round, so you maybe look at players that would have been available around that spot, and not a lot of good names. Again, we can't predict the future of a lot of these guys. We thought that he might have had some success in Oakland. Uh, it turns out he didn't, and now he's probably not going to be seeing the field anytime soon. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what she decides to do with Brown uh, this offseason, or maybe even this year. I'm going to skip forward to the fifth round, which is her next player that she still has on her roster, Cooper Cup, in the fifth round. And, you know, that was her wide receiver two. He's now her wide receiver one. Keep in mind, Cooper Cup did uh, suffer some injuries last year, um, which did hurt his numbers in some way. Uh, He was kind of out the mid part of the season, but... Overall, he's ranked as the top fourth uh, wide receiver here in PPR leagues here through Sleeper. So kind of a piece that she can kind of build around. Um, and, and maybe, maybe again, if she struggles this year, maybe a guy that she can dangle out there is trade bait, maybe either acquire more picks or maybe try to bring in another piece to help her team out. And she took her first IDP at 7.03, which is very early, and it's J.J. Watt. I figured if she was going to take an IDP that early, it would be someone a little younger. J.J. Watt is always injured. We get the name. We get a lot of us people are originally from Wisconsin. Many of the folks here in this league are Badger fans, and they love J.J. Watt. But let me say this. J.J. Watt is not your true IDP player that you want to have on your team. Often injured, 31 years of age. He's probably seeing the other side of the fence at this point. Um, again, kind of a high spot to take a guy like him. But again, big names were starting to fall off the board IDP-wise, and she maybe felt like she needed to get a part of that party as well. And then she took Aaron Lynch with the 903, and I just pulled up Sleeper, and I looked at his 2019 season. The most points he scored in a game was four twice. He scored zero, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Aaron Lynch was a big name with the San Francisco 49ers back in 2014. 
uh, kind of in those early years where uh, San Francisco had a, a fielded a competitive team. And then he really fell off the face of the earth. I guess I wasn't sure what she was thinking by taking Aaron Lynch. Maybe there was another name that she thought of um, instead. But what a disaster to take a guy like Aaron Lynch, who we have never really heard of you know, beyond this point at 903. I did like her pick at 10-10 with Michael Gallup, who was the wide receiver two for Dallas. Still is a good wide receiver. Good riddance on him. He passed through Andy and myself and is now with Lefty since we lasted our team preview. Yeah, and it's you know I'm kind of surprised that he was originally drafted by her. Uh, he's definitely going to be fighting for targets here on out. He I guess really just has no. Uh, meaning on on her team now but that was actually a, a nice pickup there for her at 10 10 she took another idp at 11.03 kyler fackrell and i know you said that he was a backup at the time correct yeah and, and mike petton's uh, defense there in green bay all that kyler fackrell was was just a backup linebacker so again a lot uh, another question mark for me here at this spot nearly not seeing the field all that much maybe on special teams he was going to be her starting linebacker and just does not make a whole lot of sense to me. He's now with the Giants, so it'll be interesting to see how the Giants kind of factor him in, but he's no longer on her roster as we can see right now. And the, the rest of these guys are just really no names. Do you have any players that stick out either being on her team or not? Looking down the line, as far as extremely questionable picks, she took LaShawn McCoy in round 14. Now, again, we can't predict the future on a lot of these guys, but LaShawn McCoy is as good as retired at this point. Um, you know, some names that she did really well with, Joe Schobert, who's now in Jacksonville. He's been a productive linebacker most of his career. She even dropped her kicker, who was Steven Guskowski, who we didn't see that injury coming either. Um, just, just again, down, down the line here, um, a lot of question marks. I mean, Everson Griffin's still on her team too, but he doesn't even have an NFL roster to claim at this point, and I don't even know where he's going to go. I did like her last overall pick. I feel like Danny Amendola is always dependable on a squad. He's that veteran presence on a team. You just never know what you'll get with him. Uh, again, he doesn't have Tom Brady throwing to him at all, but uh, he, he's still in that Detroit offense, and I think as long as you know he's got a viable quarterback throwing to him, he does hold some values. Looking back, of her 25 drafted in the vet draft, she only has eight on her current roster. Five of those eight are IDPs. We didn't really break it down by how many players she actually traded away, how many she actually cut, or how many actually retired. So we, we can't really pass judgment off of that. If you're doing Dynasty right, I feel like you're going to have a lot of roster turn turnover. So... Um, again, she maybe saw some pieces that um, she felt like could help make her team better or just maybe felt like, hey, a guy like Christian McCaffrey is going to help me yield picks down the line. So this is probably the right and golden opportunity for, for me to move him. I'm not, I'm not too surprised, but uh, it'd be interesting to see just looking at that number of how many players she actually cut and how many players she actually traded. Okay, now looking at her rookie draft, she currently still has three of her four from her original draft. And to be honest, I like the three that she currently has on her roster. I'm not saying that they're anything proven yet, but they still do have some potential. If we look at the 105, she took Nikhil Harry, and he was the first wide receiver that was taken in our draft, and he didn't have a great year because he didn't play much, but he was also injured a lot of it. Now the Patriots are bringing in Cam Newton, and I don't know necessarily if Nikhil Harry is going to pop off, but I do think he's going to have a serviceable season for her, hopefully. He's definitely a wide receiver to keep an eye on for next year. Uh, we don't know the health of uh, Cam Newton like you had mentioned before, but yeah, he, he's kind of a guy just to keep on your radar maybe next year just to see how he's going to maybe help Andy's squad. She's already really young on her team, and you know, basically she, she has the spot, I feel, on her roster to give a guy like Nikhil Harry a chance. My favorite guy, Logan, on out of all of her rookies is Herb Smith Jr., who I, you know, he's up here in Minnesota. I feel like he's the guy that's going to eventually end up replacing Kyle Rudolph in, in the long run. And he had a great rookie campaign, and he's definitely uh, earned the trust of Kirk Cousins as well. So, A guy she took in the third round was Andy Isabella from the Arizona Cardinals. He was a second-round pick by them. He didn't really have a good year last year, 
But I think the fact that they used a second round pick on him says a lot, knowing Kyler Murray kind of came into his own at the end of the season. They obviously did bring in DeAndre Hopkins, and I don't think the expectation was Andy Isabella to be the wide receiver one, but I think that he's an interesting piece for her as well. Give him another chance. I, I feel like he's a special teamer at this point in Arizona, but he's got that big play speed, in my opinion, and you just never know what he's going to do. It, it's tough sledding for a guy like Andy Isabella, but again, he could be a dark horse, much like Nikhil Harry was as well. So let's take a look at her depth chart here. Most of the season, she only had one quarterback, and that was it. Obviously, she addressed that this offseason when she used her late first-round pick on Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow and Jimmy Garoppolo there for the quarterbacks. What are your thoughts on those two? Being in the position that Andy is right now, it's not, it's not a good situation to be in where your quarterback is basically a guy that isn't expected to do much in a San Francisco offense. Uh, especially when he's got, uh, you know, Tevin Coleman as well as uh, Raheem Mostert to turn around and hand the ball off to. Uh, and then putting a lot of trust and faith into Joe Burrow right away. Now, she had a bunch of first-round picks uh, this year, so I don't blame her for taking a guy like Joe Burrow. But it's going to be tough to predict how he's going to perform here in year one with Cincinnati. There's going to be some headaches. There's going to be some long games. There might even be some breakout games as well. Uh, but again, her quarterback situation is not that pretty at this point. I feel like with the multitude of picks that she does have and with some of the rosters that we do see here in our league, there's a lot of these teams that feature uh, multiple quarterbacks. So I, I don't know if it's necessary that she maybe looks for another veteran at this point. Um, we, we don't even know what her taxi squad is going to look like. She's got some decisions to make there. So it's, it's, it's worth noting that I feel like she could definitely improve at that position. Let's look at her running back. So she did hit the reset button, and we're going to talk about that at depth here. But her running backs that she has on her roster are starting it off with three rookies, DeAndre Swift with the Detroit Lions, Zach Moss with the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to pause real quick and just mention those are her starting running backs on a weekly basis. Her running back three is Anthony McFarland Jr. coming out of Maryland and is with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kind of an interesting name knowing that James Conner is at times rather injury prone. Running back four then, she has Royce Freeman, who I know you mentioned on last week's episode, may get caught, which is true. And then her running back five is Patrick Laird, another guy that is on the cut line for the Miami Dolphins knowing they brought two in. Thoughts on her running backs? Yeah, it's definitely not a stable running back situation at all. I do like DeAndre Swift eventually taking a lot of those carries from Carrion Johnson. Again, Carrion being that kind of a running back that's often injured. And Detroit obviously sees a lot of value with DeAndre Swift if they took him there early in the second round. A guy like Zach Moss will definitely get a lot of carries within the uh, end zone. Uh, he might, you might see him scoring heck six to eight touchdowns this year. Probably a guy that she'll probably keep off her taxi and just kind of right there. I like Anthony McFarland because I feel like with the situation with James Conner and for how inconsistent he has been and kind of un, uh, underwhelming in a sense that he has an opportunity to maybe overthrow a guy like Jalen Samuels, like I talked about last week and even Benny Snell Jr. And I feel like he could easily jump up to running back two. And if he gets it going and he has a really good rookie campaign, he might be a name to watch out for as well. I personally feel Royce Freeman is a guy that's going to be the odd man out in Denver. Um, it's it's tough for me seeing what kind of work he'll get if he stays on that roster. We'll, we'll have to see how that goes. Patrick Laird, again, he's going to be the odd man out in Miami behind newly acquired uh, Jordan Howard, as well as Matt Breida. So uh, she's got a lot of, again, question marks with the running backs. And I feel, you know, from, from my point of view here, Logan, that she does possess the draft capital to go and get a back that might be able to help her out. Let's look at some of those wide receivers. So we start with Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is going to be her best player just by looking at her roster throughout most of the season. Then we got Tyler Lockett, John Brown, who was a throw-in in the Christian McCaffrey deal. Justin Jefferson, rookie. Michael Pittman, who is currently on her taxi. Quick little note here, I don't think that he should be on her taxi looking at her team's layout at the moment. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Then she also has Nikhil Harry, Curtis Samuel, Danny Amendola, 
and the list goes on from there. We got Chase Claypool, who's currently on her taxi. Also someone that may be getting the call up at some point. Andy Isabella. Devin DuVernay, who is also on her taxi. I think that's a good spot for him because the Ravens spent such a late round pick on him. Also, he was a fourth round pick by Andy. We have Philip Dorsett. Desmond Patman, who is an undrafted rookie from the Colts. Dontrell Inman, who is currently a free agent, and Antonio Brown, who is currently a free agent. Let's hear some of your thoughts on some of those wide receivers. So much like you, we already talked about Cooper Cup. He uh, he definitely deserves a spot on her team. I love Tyler Lockett as well, even though DK Metcalf is kind of on the rise there in Seattle. John Brown is kind of a good throw-in with that piece. Again, and I'm much like you too, Logan, where I feel like guys like Justin Jefferson and Michael Pittman Jr. are not going to be on the taxi. They'll probably be on her active roster. Um, we talked enough already about Nikhil Harry and what he could do in year two. I, I like Curtis Samuel a lot, even though he's kind of got good competition down there in Carolina. Fan of Danny Amendola and his veteran leadership in Detroit. I feel like a guy like Chase Claypool, Devin DuVernay, um, and even Desmond Patman uh, will also be on her uh, taxi squad. Uh, in my opinion, she could easily pull him up whenever she would like, but it's, it's tough for me seeing those guys kind of getting featured work right then and there. I think it's safe to say, just looking at her team right now, she's probably going to be starting four wide receivers each week just because I feel like she's pretty deep there. And just looking at the rest of her options, she doesn't really have a whole lot of other options that she could plug in at the flex spots. Looking at the tight ends, and to be honest, she does have some really nice bright spots here. Evan Engram, who has shown injury proneness at times. However, when he's on the field, he's one of those top tier tight ends and he's still young especially with Daniel Jones being in there. We'll see if he can produce going forward. Irv Smith Jr. as well. So Irv Smith, I know you talked about him. He's he's currently on her taxi squad. I don't know if she knows that he cannot stay there. Hopefully she does. And then we also got Cole Komet, who is one of the eight tight ends there with the Bears. However, they used a very high pick on him. I could see him having not an impact right away, but... He eventually could be a really nice option there in Chicago. And then she also has Delaney Walker, who I don't know if she quite knows yet, is retired at this time and a free agent. What are your thoughts on her tight ends? So I really, really like a guy like Irv Smith Jr. I think he's going to have a big year in Minnesota moving forward. That's good news to Viking fans like Andy and Randy out there. Um, I've been a fan of Irv Smith Jr. since he came out of college, and I think he's going to have a big role in Minnesota here in year two. Uh, Cole Komet, I think, you know, this is a bold take for me right here, Logan, but I feel like Cole Komet is going to be the next star for the Chicago Bears. He's got that great size. He hails from the Chicagoland area. I think he's going to play with a lot of pride up there in the Windy City. Uh, he might give the Packers some headaches. He's got that great size. Um, I feel like he's a better tight end at this point in his career. Um, and I feel like he's definitely going to kind of take some attention away from guys like Jimmy Graham, who the Bears just acquired. So I think he's going to be the go-to guy in Chicago. But again, that all depends on who his quarterback's going to be. We don't know if it'll be a guy like Mitchell Trubisky or if it's going to be Nick Foles. I, I personally hope it's going to be Nick Foles because I feel like with Nick Foles, the Bears probably have the best chance of, at winning ball games. Evan Ingram, uh, I didn't mention him at all, but a kind of a good and upcoming tight end as well. He does get injured at times, but kind of a bright spot on her team as well. I feel like probably the biggest strength of her team are her tight ends. Then just going to kind of mention, like Lyde did last week with Mason Crosby, Andy's kicker is Jake Elliott. Last year, he was the kicker number 20. I do think the Eagles offense is going to be a little bit better this year, which means higher production for kickers. You know that kickers succeed as long as they have good offenses. And with Wentz back and hopefully some of those weapons, I can see Jake Elliott doing well. Let's move on to those IDPs. So starting with the DL... We got J.J. Watt, who is her leading man there on the front line. She also has Fletcher Cox and Everson Griffin. Looking at the rankings from those three, none of them were even in the in the top 25. I know that J.J. Watt was injured most of the year, but Everson Griffin is a free agent. I don't think there's any way that she should be keeping him on her roster. Any thoughts on those D linemen? Yeah, it's it's a scary thought looking at her D linemen. Um Everson Griffin obviously having some anger issues up here in Minnesota. That's probably the reason why he still doesn't have a team. But if you look at J.J. Watt, 
age 31, and Fletcher Cox, age 29. There's a little bit of concern there. They're kind of getting up there in age. Fletcher Cox is still a good, productive uh, defensive lineman. He didn't have the year that he had had back in 2018 when he had 10 and a half sacks. It kind of dropped a little bit last year and only only had three and a half sacks. But so maybe what she decides to do is she just looks to see who's maybe available out there on the waiver wire uh, for a defensive lineman, just to maybe improve at that position. There's still a lot of good names out there, but I feel like uh, maybe a priority of hers moving forward will be maybe to get younger at the defensive line, just seeing if there's maybe a guy that's maybe sitting out there that could have a good year here in 2020. Then we got the linebackers and starting out with Joe Schobert, who was really her bright spot on the IDP category. Joe Schobert was the linebacker number three last year with Cleveland. He's now in Jacksonville. We'll see if he continues his stardom, knowing that that defense is pretty broken. Danny Trevathan with Chicago. Isaiah Simmons, who is kind of that Swiss Army knife on the defense. He can play anywhere, so I can see him definitely being highly involved in the IDP category. Then we have Zach Cunningham who was the linebacker number 13 and probably is going to be in her IDP starting lineup a lot. And then she also picked up recently off free agency Demario Davis from the Saints. He's the linebacker 14 last year. So she does have some nice pieces there in the linebacker core. Maybe she has a couple too many, though. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I just look at her team right now, uh, kind of at the linebacker spot. She's got five of them. Uh, and I, I kind of just go by who I feel are really good key spots on her teams. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, we have him listed as a linebacker, but truth be told, he can basically play all over. Um, I feel like he's going to probably have a bright future there down there in Arizona. Um, I like Zach Cunningham. He had a pretty productive year last year, 142 combined tackles. Um, he did score pretty high in um, on defense as well. Um, Joe Schobert's now in Jacksonville. He should only continue to thrive even more down there. He'll probably be the go-to guy. Mario Davis, uh, looking at a guy like him down there in New Orleans, he had 111 combined tackles last year, four sacks, one interception. He's kind of that main name that you see down there in the, with the Saints defense. But probably the one guy that I see on her roster right now that I feel like I would personally cut would be a guy like Danny Trevathan. I think of him as being the guy that took out Devontae Adams on that Thursday night game up at Lambeau. Just looking at the Bears defense, the Bears have guys like Khalil Mack, uh, Robert Quinn, who's now up there as well, um, and, and other names as well. And I, I feel like he's kind of that forgotten piece and maybe doesn't need to be on her roster at this point. You look at Zach Cunningham and Isaiah Simmons both sharing uh, week eight uh, bye weeks. Um, that's something also to keep in mind moving forward too. Let's look at some of these DBs, and she only has two of them. She has Malcolm Jenkins, who last year was the DB24, so not the best. And then she also had Sean Williams, so I know she picked up off free agency, and he was the DB14. So what are your thoughts at all about those DBs? We could see at some point Isaiah Simmons getting some flexibility position-wise. Have you thought about that? Yeah, and like I had mentioned earlier uh, with the linebackers, Isaiah Simmons is just that defensive utility. So I feel like he's going to basically have that tag to go wherever he wants to go on the field. So she could start him at defensive lineman, linebacker, or even DB. But just going over her list of DBs right now, I had to personally look up Sean Williams because I had never heard of him before in my life. But it looks like he's had a pretty good career up to this point. The guy's 29 years old. He last year had 114 combined tackles. Uh, he had one interception for 12 yards. Just looking at him in general and looking at a guy like Malcolm Jenkins, who we already know with the Eagles, uh, she I feel like she's pretty set there. Um, she could definitely keep both guys on her roster if she wanted to. Uh, but again, that's really her call when uh, we get down to roster cutdowns. Let's talk about her draft picks. So in this next year, 2021, she actually has 10 picks. The standard going forward is going to be six. Three firsts, three seconds. If we look at them, she's going to have her first, which should be based on where the lottery balls fall. She should have at the minimum a top three pick little slads she has his first and i could see that being in the range of six to nine nice then nice. she also has randy's and that's gonna be most likely 11 or 12 so you know she kind of has an early pick she kind of has a mid pick and then she has a late pick there with her seconds then she has three she has her own that probably will be 
Actually, I can guarantee that will be the 201. So essentially a first round pick. She has my second, which is probably going to be at the end of the round. And then she has Randy's, which is going to be at the end of the round. Then she has her third, which should be the 301, the 401, the 501, and the 601. Thoughts about those 10 picks? I feel like she's got a lot of picks to play with. She definitely, again, could make all these picks, but I don't see why she wouldn't need to because our taxi squad only has four spots. She she could definitely look next year with one of her first round picks at grabbing a quarterback. Maybe it'll be a guy like Trevor Lawrence. Maybe it'll be a guy like Trey Lance. Uh, but for me, it's difficult to predict who out there in next year's rookie draft might have the potential of taking over a uh, an NFL franchise. It's just tough to plan at this point. I feel like Lawrence would be the only guy that does that. So she'll have to cross her fingers that she can win that uh, draft lottery for the opportunity to take them now i thought she had a lot more picks than she did but i know that she had a lot this year and that she has a lot next year looking at 2022 and 2023 she's pretty standard she just has one two three four five six for both years um my hope is by 2022 that she's somewhat competitive so that she doesn't just have to keep hitting the reset button and then acquiring picks if you become too addicted to picks it doesn't turn out well in the end just from my kind of presumption of dynasty there let's talk about some cuts so i want you to go through your cuts and your rationale right now andy is going to need to make five cuts if she would move someone else to her taxi and take irv smith down that may change she's going to have to do it eventually but i want to hear who right now your five cuts would be for andy well, four of the five cuts that I would be making for her don't even have an NFL roster at this point. And that includes Everson Griffin, who, again, has some uh, anger issues up here in Minnesota. It was kind of a headliner last year, especially with Minnesota Sports Radio. And that might be kind of one of the red flags with him. I don't know if he'll find a team for next year. I guess we'll have to find out. Delaney Walker is already retired. I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, Antonio Brown, it's going to be probably a good two years before he ends up finding an opportunity for another chance at the NFL, if that ever happens. Uh, and then there's Dontrell Inman, who has yet to have a team, was kind of that Canadian Football League star. He's 31 years old. It's tough predicting where he might go. He shared time with both the Chargers and the Colts last year. And even so, he only had 12 receptions. So I feel like those would be four of my five cuts. And then we talked about one of the linebackers that I did not really like out of any of her um, players right now, and that was Danny Trevathan. I feel like, again, he's kind of that forgotten piece in that Bears defense, not as productive as a guy like Khalil Mack, um, Robert Quinn, who's up there as well. So those would be my rationale for all of my decisions to make cuts. Um, and I feel like you and I, Logan, both have the same people that we would be cutting together. Yeah, so I'm going to go through my five. First of all, I have Everson Griffin, not on a team. Then I also have her cutting Delaney Walker. We already talked about tight end being a strength for her, and he's retired. Then we have Dontrell Inman. He's a free agent, not getting any interest. Desmond Patman is my fourth cut. I know you don't have him, probably because he's a rookie, and that does make sense. Now, if she opens up enough room on her taxi for Desmond Patton, then I would say, yes, she should put him on the taxi. He shouldn't be on her active roster. Maybe when Irv Smith comes down, she can promote Desmond Patman there and cut someone else. That could be a wise decision. But then I also have Danny Trevathan, just because by looking at her linebacker core, her other four are options that she should probably have on her roster, both in the linebacker starting position and then also in our IDP flex. Now I know that you have AB being cut by Andy. I do not have her cutting AB and I don't think that she should. AB again meaning Antonio Brown. I know he's a free agent. I know he's a hothead. I know he's got some issues that he needs to solve. But I think the fact that she used a second round pick on him. And looking at all of her other options on her team. Really there's no reason that he shouldn't be on her team. Because he about has the same right as a lot of these players that aren't even on a roster or are just not good who cares if he doesn't play at all this year i still think that you know he could be somewhat of a piece for her moving forward we are going to be coming right back and talking about 
some highlights from year one as well as some key advice for Andy moving forward. provided some commentary and advice for Andy moving forward as well as some key highlights from her first season so I will start with my first comment here and that's regarding her running back core looking at her roster her best running back on the team is probably a running back three this year meaning he is not going to be a top 24 running back that is not good Looking at her starting running backs being DeAndre Swift and Zach Moss, it's going to be very, very hard for her to stay competitive in the running back area. There's no way she's going to be flexing any of those other running back options. Right, and I kind of said that from earlier. She's she's pretty deep with all of her wide receivers, so it's going to probably be tough sledding this year considering who her backs are. So she might have to wait till next year in the rookie drafts to see who she might be able to find. So it's a huge yikes, but she also gave up uh, – Christian McCaffrey as well so to me it's kind of expected that that's kind of what her situation looks like because Christian McCaffrey was her team last year another comment I want to make is regarding this upcoming season and you know the struggles with being a rebuilding team is it is frustrating if you're not winning games you know because you're putting money into it and you're stuck with that team and you just kind of have to depend on the draft so my expectation is for this season for Andy to be a very rough one at the most I could see her winning two games you know you're maybe being, she gets a little bit lucky on a bye week or something you're being very generous with two wins I it, for me it's very tough just to see two wins I know I kind of made a bold take earlier with this as well saying you know if, if all of her rookies just pan out like we look at this rookie class and let's, let's say like a lot of them just end up being complete stars I kind of said, well, she might have a semi-chance to win like three to four games, but that is extremely bold. I think two wins now, just looking at her team up and down, is extremely bold. But again, we'll have to trust the process and see what happens. Another thing is I'm giving the advice to Andy to not just trade away, continue to trade away players, and try to get as many picks as she possibly can. You still want to be somewhat competitive and give yourself a chance to win just for even the bragging rights and kind of the longevity of your team so if you just continue to trade away players and just acquire so many picks it's not going to be as pleasant so with that in mind i'm going to kind of talk about it in a little bit but i think that andy should also consider even though she has three first round picks and three second round picks i want her to kind of consider even if it's this off season there's still a lot of time left maybe packaging two three of those picks together and trying to get her some depth and when i say depth i mean an actual starter because a lot of the players that she can get should be starting on the team example i'll give you is if you look at cascade bear he has so many running backs and that's going to be her area that she's really going to struggle so she should look at some of those running backs he has on his team right now and see if she can get some of them i think a guy like uh, Joe Mixon or even a guy uh, like maybe Marlon Mack maybe a guy like Marlon Mack yeah I would say it'd be kind of the guy that um, I would maybe look for Andy to maybe look to acquire um, she's got the capital um, I'm, I'm, I'm in a complete agreement with Logan here in the fact that um, that those three first round picks could maybe help land a free agent her team will just continue to just continue to get worse and worse and I, I love a league like this here, Logan, where all of us are extremely competitive. And I'd hate to have just one team out of the dark that's just throwing away $50 year in and year out because they don't have the team to compete. I have on here that I love Cooper Cup. He is a monster for PPR leagues. And Jared Goff is somewhat of a compatible quarterback for him. And, you know, Cooper Cup is really, really good. I have on here that I think at this current moment, he should be a lock on her roster because he is going to be her best player at this moment. No question about it. You love Cooper Cup. I love guy like Irv Smith Jr. I think that he's going to continue to get better. Um, 
with with time and with uh, patience around Kirk Cousins. He's taking those uh, receptions and he's taking that role kind of from Kyle Rudolph. And Kyle Rudolph had a great year in Minnesota, but now I think it's Irv Smith Jr.'s time as well. So just a couple names that we really really get excited about when it looks at when we look at Andy's roster. Um, and, and even just moving down the line here too, um, I feel like Justin Jefferson could also be a deep threat in Minnesota as, as well to replace a guy like Stefan Diggs. Again, I feel like she only took Justin Jefferson because she was a Viking fan. Um, I kind of knew that was going to happen when it came to our rookie draft, but uh, that that's again, her choice with what she wants to do with her team. He could end up being kind of that rookie that just goes off this year based off of uh, what kind of a role that he's going to have with that team, because face it, Adam Thielen can't do it all by himself. I also want to know if she was under the influence for 13 straight days of the startup draft, because if we look back in hindsight, a lot of those players are not even on a roster at this moment. So I need to know where she had her rankings from. Well, do you remember the time we were drafting and she said, oh, hey, I'm at a baseball game. I don't realize it's my pick. I think there's a couple times she was at a couple Brewer games. I wouldn't be surprised if she was at work be surprised if her mind was elsewhere so okay so i'm gonna start rattling off some of her trades the first trade i wanted to mention was one that she did with stirk daddy it was really early in last season she actually received tyler lockett and royce freeman in exchange for damian williams and robbie anderson i put that down as a massive win tyler lockett is better than both of those two combined Damian Williams right now, I think he's still going to see the field with CEH there, but I consider that a huge win. And he got the best player in that deal. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, a guy like Robbie Anderson that Stirk Daddy acquired as well, he's going to be fighting for uh, some catches there with uh, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore. Great move on her part to acquire Tyler Lockett. Another trade that she had was she received Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, from Randy in exchange for Matt Breida and Cam Newton. Now, obviously, Cam Newton is back, but I think that Jimmy Garoppolo has the best long-term in the league. Yeah, kind of a, a trade that Randy actually took a big L on, in my opinion. Also had to give up Matt Breida in return. Uh, Matt Breida is now in Miami. Uh, he could have a significant role there with the Dolphins, but uh, she does kind of have a good quarterback who might just be stable at that position at that point, kind of being told, asked to do the bare minimum. I'm calling these hindsight trades because we now know who some of these players are and the picks that were involved in the trade. A trade that she did with me was she got Curtis Samuel and Joe Burrow in exchange for Michael Gallup. Right now, I would call that an L. However, we'll see just how high of a ceiling Joe Burrow has moving forward and if Curtis Samuel has anything positive happen to him. I'm surprised you call that an L because I kind of see that trade as being kind of a wash wash at this point. Just because Michael Gallup right now is going to comp be competing for catches with CeeDee Lamb um, as well as Amari Cooper as well there in Dallas. Uh, Curtis Samuel, he's again going to also be uh, competing for ca catches as well in Carolina. I think Joe Burrow kind of might give her the slight edge just because he's just another quarterback that she can start. So I kind of consider that trade just to kind of be wash-wash on both sides. Another trade was with me again, and I got Travis Kelsey. She got Evan Engram, Michael Pittman, and the 2021 third. The calculator, when you put everything in, it put it as very equal. But we will see Travis Kelsey is the tight end number one I know you like Kittle we look at the other three players though if Michael Pittman produces this is going to be a better trade for her in the long term she's in the rebuild process so if Pittman is a solid wide receiver there with the Colts it could end up being a big win for her she has time right now to make a trade like that and just to kind of wait and see what does take place so Again, it's all about building for the future. Travis Kelsey is going into his 30s. Uh, we don't know how much more time he has left, but he does still have a guy like Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball. Um, again, she did acquire more players for a sing single tight end right there. Again, we'll have to wait and see what happens as a result of that trade. Okay, another hindsight trade is the Christian McCaffrey deal. We have some more details on it. She ends up sending Christian McCaffrey in exchange for John Brown and Justin Jefferson we already talked about it. You got to put your biases aside. She, in hindsight, probably should have taken Cam Akers. He was the better prospect, and she doesn't have many running backs. 
she could have looking at right now deandre swift cam Akers, and zach moss i think that would have been a better takeaway than her first three picks being deandre swift justin jefferson and joe burrow she gets two firsts next year and then also a second expanding on that christian mccaffrey deal in hindsight, I don't think there was really any excuse for her to not get these slad keys first. He kind of snaked his way through that deal. I think that she got two later firsts. If we look at next year, the first she got, they're also going to be late. So she's not going to have that top tier of players to pick from. D Slads is going to be a top five pick. I'll, I'll say that with concreteness. All the picks that she got are going to be late picks. I wish that she would have somehow been able to get D Sladkey's first instead of his brothers or Randy's. Another comment, and I know she's been public about it, is she doesn't like Stefan Diggs, you know, because he has an attitude problem. He's a baby, which I agree. But what I did not like is, you know, D Slacky and her were in discussions and she said she didn't want Diggs because she doesn't like him as a player. She doesn't like him. D Slacky was willing to throw him in Instead, she gets John Brown, and she didn't want him. He's the clear wide receiver one on Buffalo. I know he's had a little bit of injury history, but Diggs is substantially better in the long term than John Brown. I think that's a big mistake when we look back at it, because you can't put your player biases in the way. You absolutely cannot put your player biases in the way. That extremely hurt her team outlook i'd say for this year just imagine she could have cooper cup and stefan diggs on the same team and i think she might be able to help her uh, overall 2020 record in a huge way i already stated this but again she may need to package some of these picks together for proven or young players now i'm going to use an example and it includes will's team we talked about it beforehand and he would not agree to this, but I want to give an example of what this could potentially look like for Andy because she'd still be rebuilding. Now, this player is obviously a top-tier player. She'd make herself much more relevant from doing the trade. But again, this is the type of mindset that she needs to be into. So let's say that she dished together two of her first-round picks next year and Tyler Lockett, who's still a good wide receiver, in exchange for Chris Godwin. That is Will's current wide receiver too. He would be downgrading at that wide receiver position. However, he'd be getting and accumulating two firsts. It's honestly whatever she needs to do here in order to get better, in order to get more competitive. And I feel like that's just kind of the move that she's going to have to make as well. I was in agreement with Logan when we were talking about this. Um, and this can just be with practically anybody that's out there in this league. Okay, I got one more trade idea for Andy. And it actually involves JSP Justin. So we look at Justin's roster and we notice that he has, for dynasty purposes, two top five players at a specific position. You can only start one. Do you happen to know what position I'm talking about, Will? That's probably the most important position here in the game of football. And that's your quarterback. You bet. Now, if we look at Justin, he has Dak Prescott and Kyler Murray. We talked about it before. Yes, she got Joe Burrow in the draft, but right now her best startable quarterback is Jimmy G. I'm not going to assume anything, but I can say that Jimmy G would probably be a serviceable backup quarterback for Justin, and he'd be willing to take a downstep from one of those two options in exchange for Jimmy G and maybe a first-round pick. I think that would be a very smart move on both parts. Thoughts? I couldn't agree more because I think just looking from our ranking, our rankings of our quarterbacks from a couple of weeks back, you're extremely high on Kyler Murray. And I am starting to get a little high on Murray as well, just drooling over the weapons that he'll have for next year. I could definitely see a move like this taking place. But again, it's up to Justin and it's up to Andy to try to work out a deal where something like this could work. Will it happen? It might, it might not. Going from what Logan talked about here, I I couldn't agree more um, initially here just because I feel like it would help both sides. And last week we offered some suggestions and believe it or not, they sparked a couple trades to happen from Team Backflip. So he tried to go right away 
and rebuild his team from the advice we gave. So we're not saying Andy needs to do this, but we definitely are trying to give the best advice we possibly can. We're going to be right back and we're going to talk about Andy's 2019 season. Andy's 2019 season was actually a lot better than what her 2020 season is going to look like. I know that she had some pretty heavy victories. Just by looking at all four of her wins, look at the point differential in them. I can't believe that. Yeah, I mean, we look at week 11 when she faced off against you. And you must have had a lot of players that just did not perform that week or just a lot of players that are on by because she beat you by close to 90 points and that's yeah. that's just ex extremely uh, surprising uh, she she had a, a few really good weeks she had some weeks where she extremely struggled uh, to even get over 100 points and let me say this it's pretty easy to get over 100 points in this league if you don't either your players just did not do very well or most of your players were on a bye and you had no choice if we look at her season and the streak she had she had three two-game losing streaks and one three-game losing streak. And then she had one two-game win streak. So let's break it down here. Week one, and she played against Garrett, and she lost to him by 35. Looking at their leading scorers, Christian McCaffrey, of course, put up one of his 40-point games. In week two, she played against Randy for the first time, and she lost to him by about 22.5 points. Her leading scorer was Travis Kelsey with 23, and then Randy's leading scorer was Russell Wilson with 30. In week three, she played against Danny, and she beat him by 47. That's when Danny's team looked like a nightmare. Cooper Cup put up 34 points, and Carson Wentz put up about 27.5. Week four, she beat Rowdy. Goodbye. And by, then that's where that's where all the trash talking began. She beats Rowdy by fifty and a half, so she just she just plain out said, "Suck it." A performance of thirty five points from Christian McCaffrey. His leading score was Devontae Freeman, who doesn't even have a team with eighteen. That's a yikes. Week five, she lost to you by twenty three points. She had Christian McCaffrey put up a big time game, forty seven points, but you had Michael Thomas to kind of counter that with forty one. Week six, she lost to Ryan, and she barely scored 100 points, 100.02. Christian McCaffrey was her leading scorer with 21, so that might have been why she scored so little. And then Lamar Jackson scored 30.6 for Ryan. Week seven, she didn't put up 100 points and lost to Jake by 18.5. Tyler Lockett with 16 as her leading scorer. That's not good. Derek Carr was Jake's leading scorer with 19.7. That's gross. That, that, that was a really low-scoring game. I'm <laughs> kind of surprised by that. Week 8, she has a rare victory over Justin, and she put up 162 points and beat him by 54. Cooper Cup was her leading scorer with 35. <laughs> Justin's leading scorer was Alex Erickson with 15.7. The Darlington product, Alex Erickson. Week 9, she loses to Little Slads. This was when he was in the league by 13.7. Tyler Lockett was her leading scorer with a whopping 40 points. Ryan Fitzpatrick was Little Slads' leading scorer with 29.72. Week 10, she loses to Tyler by 41.8. Christian McCaffrey was her leading scorer with 26. The man, Kirk Cousins, was Tyler's with 23. Another rare victory, of course, over me by 90 points, as Will mentioned. Her leading scorer was Jimmy G with 37.6, and Keenan Allen was mine with 21. Week 12, she loses to Garrett by 2 points. 
Christian McCaffrey was their leading scorer with 34. Chris Godwin was Garrett's with 37. In week 13, she loses to Randy by 89 points. Cooper Cup was her leading scorer with 18 and a half. Russell Wilson was Randy's with 20 points. Looking at that, Randy put up 191 points. The rest of his players had to have been going off. There's a few games where she was just maybe a player or two away. Uh, she finished the regular season last year at four and nine, but I feel like she could have had a couple games, you know, that could have went her way. She would have been six and seven, and we wouldn't have had that discussion of, oh wow, look at her team. Our league, I feel, was really competitive last year. So that was Andy's 2019 season. We're gonna be right back to preview her 2020 season. everybody uh, as we had mentioned earlier before it did not look very pretty on paper looking at her roster and looking at her matchups but we did the very best that we could we looked at each player for each team and their favorable matchups and who we felt would start in each different spot these are just sleepers projections at this point these are not ours so just bear that in mind without further ado let's get started in week Andy faces off against Jake, uh, where Andy would be losing by about nine points. Uh, just looking at her roster, like we had said before, her running back depth is really not all there. So she probably would be starting DeAndre Swift and Zach Moss. They're Lockett, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, and John Brown. Um, again, it boils down to matchups here, and it does appear as though that Andy would make this game somewhat competitive. So she falls to 0-1 after week one. Moving on to week two, Andy is up against Danny. And in this matchup, Sleeper is projecting Danny to be the favorite by about 11 points. Just looking down at her roster again, uh, very similar names to who she would start from the week before. Uh, at this point, she would go with Joe Burrow at the quarterback position over Jimmy G, uh, who would be facing off against that tough Jets defense. Going down the line here, her wide receivers for this week would be Tyler Lockett again, going up against the Patriots. Cooper Cup at Philly, who it will always be a must start, I feel, in her roster no matter what week it is. John Brown and Curtis Samuel round out her, uh, her wideouts, who would also be in the flex position. Uh, at the tight end spot, she's got Evan Ingram against the Chicago Bears. Uh, and just going down the line here, uh, just again, it boils down to matchups. On any given Sunday, practically anything can happen. But in this matchup, Danny is favored to win by about 11 points. The return home of Christian McCaffrey. Next up in week three, Andy faces up against Ryan, our runner-up in our league last year. In this projection, Sleeper is predicting Ryan to be the favorite by about 36 points. So this is kind of where it starts to get a little uh, dangerous here for Andy. At quarterback, she's starting Joe Burrow, uh, who will be making his uh, first start up in Philadelphia. His running, her running back situation stays the same between Moss and Swift. Uh, looking at her wide receivers, she's got Lockett, Cup, Brown, and Harry now. Uh, Nikhil Harry, who'd be going up against the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, again, boiling down the matchups. Again, keep in mind, Ryan's got a guy like Lamar Jackson, who would be going up against the Chiefs, who will... Again, Lamar Jackson always scores relatively high. Ryan's also got Elvin Kamara. He's also got Zach Ertz, Kenyon Drake, um, a few other names of note. So Andy would then drop to 0-3 to begin her 2020 campaign. In week four, Andy faces off against Tyler. Now, this is a very, very close matchup, but Sleeper is projecting Tyler to be the victor here in week four by about two and a half points. That is probably one of the closer matchups that Andy will have all year. Jimmy Garoppolo will now be starting in at quarterback for Andy against the Philadelphia Eagles as Joe Burrow would be going up against Jacksonville that week. Running back situation stays the same. Uh, again, with her wide receivers, she's got Cup, Lockett, Brown, and Jefferson now going up against the Houston Texans. Of note here, looking at Tyler's roster, there has been a trade that did take place where Adam Thielen and Jameson Crowder are no longer on his place with Michael Gallup. So we would obviously have to readjust the rosters here. 
So this could actually be a week where Andy could uh, surprise some folks and end up being the, the victor here in week four. But as of right now, with the current uh, players that are in the projections here, it does favor Tyler by two and a half points. But hey, on any given Sunday, anything can happen. As Logan says here, let's get this bread. In week five, we actually have our first bye weeks between the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. And in this matchup, Andy will be facing off against Justin. Now, in this projection, Justin is favored to win this matchup by about 15 points. So just looking down the line at Andy's roster, she actually slates in Anthony McFarland at running back since the, uh, the DeAndre Swift will be on a bye for the Detroit Lions. Her wide receiver positions practically stay the same between Cup, Lockett, Jefferson, and Samuel. Looking at her tight end position, she's got Evan Ingram, who might thrive against Dallas. Again, looking at Justin's team, Justin just has too many weapons to kind of uh, have Andy kind of compete with him. She's got Dak Prescott, who in my eyes might end up being the top three quarterback here in our league this year. Uh, Justin also has some pretty interesting flex positions that week between Christian Kirk, who will be at the Jets, who, again, the Jets might not even have Jamal Adams. And then also slotting in Cam Akers, who might turn into the running back one down in Hollywood. So with week five, Justin is favored, like I said, to win by 15 points. Andy, in our projections, drops to 0-5. In week six, there are four teams that have a bye that week between the New England Patriots, the Seattle Seahawks, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the New Orleans Saints. Now in this week, Andy is facing off against Steve, or as we call him, Spaceballs. Now in this matchup, Andy is going to be the underdog to Spaceballs by about 23 points. She's got DeAndre Swift and Zach Moss slotted in, slotted in at running back. Her wide receivers are Cooper Cup, John Brown, Justin Jefferson, and believe it or not, Irv Smith starting two Vikings in the flex that week. But just looking at Spaceballs' roster, there's one name that I'm staring at right in the face that I think could, uh, could possess some problems, and that is Ezekiel Elliott. He's also got Allen Robinson, who would be going up against the Carolina Panthers in that vulnerable uh, Carolina Panthers defense. He's also got Z uh, George Kittle, as well as uh, Tyler Boyd going up against Indy. I, I feel like this might be a tough week for Andy, considering those matchups. So like I had mentioned before, uh, Spaceballs would be taking this one by a score of 151 and a half to 128, dropping Andy based off of sleepers projections to 0 and 6. Here in week seven, we have four teams that have a bye. The Indianapolis Colts, the Minnesota Vikings, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Tennessee Titans. Now, Andy being a big Viking fan, this might hurt her team in some way, shape, or form. She's facing off against Logan this week. And right now, Sleeper's projecting Logan to win this matchup. It does not look pretty at all. So just looking at who Andy would be starting this week, her quarterback's going to be Joe Burrow going up against the Brownies. Uh, her running backs are Zach Moss and DeAndre Swift. A, a pretty tough week here, just to say the least. Uh, Andy drops to 0-7. Will she get her first W in the second half of her schedule? Let's turn it over to Logan to find out more. In week eight, we have six buys. We have the Cardinals, the Ravens, the Broncos, the Texans, the Steelers, and the Redskins. So our first buy-pocalypse. If we look at week eight, Andy is playing against Randy. And as of this moment, Sleeper is projecting a 32-point loss, moving her to 0-8. Hey, look at this. Andy and Randy have their quarterbacks dueling back and forth between Jimmy G <laughs> and Russell Wilson. We look at the running backs. They're not dueling in anything. Andy has DeAndre Swift and Zach Moss. Randy has Dalvin Cook and Nick Chubb. If we look at the wide receivers in the flex for Andy, she has Justin Jefferson and Curtis Samuel versus Randy, who has Mike Evans and Odell Beckham. Does not look great for Andy. She moves to 0-8 after this matchup with a 32-point loss. So on week 9... We have Andy going up against Will. And there are four teams on by. We have the Bengals, we have the Browns, we have the Rams, and we have the Eagles. Knowing this, Cooper Cup is already on by. This week, Andy will need to be finding a kicker replacement as she has Jake Elliott. 
Sleeper is currently projecting that Andy loses by 31 points against Will. When we look at her tight end, though, I like the matchup with Evan Ingram against the Redskins. Running backs, not the best. We'll see what happens there with the Seattle front line for defense. But we got DeAndre Swift against the Vikings and Zach Moss against the Seahawks. Let's see. Can Week 10 bring Andy some luck? So Andy is projected to play against Little Slads. And let me tell you, by apocalypse for Little Slads. He has a ton of players that are on by this week, putting him in some problems. Sleeper is projecting a three-point victory over Little Slads. The teams on by are the Atlanta Falcons, the Dallas Cowboys, the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Kansas City Chiefs. If we look at Andy's running back matchups, DeAndre Swift's against a terrible Redskins defense. Zach Moss is against a sometimes porous Cardinals defense. So maybe she can put some, some nice production there against Little Slads. The rest of her options... We have Kurtz Samuel against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But if we look at Michael and his little lineup that he has here, not only does he have a lot of key players on bye, but a lot of tough matchups. David Montgomery against a tough Vikings defense. Derrick Henry against a tough Colts defense. So with that being said, Little Slads takes the L, and he gets her first win of the season. Moving on to week 11, we have six teams on bye once again being the Bills, the Bears, the Dolphins, the Giants, the Jets, and the 49ers. Jimmy G is going to be on by. Zach Moss is going to be on by. So that's probably two starters right there. Andy's going up against Sterk, and she is projected to lose by 26, moving her to 1-10. In her starting lineup, we see some interesting names in her flex being Nikhil Harry and Justin Jefferson. On Sterk's side, his flex being Henry Ruggs and David Johnson her team moves to one and ten we move to week 12 where there are no teams on by andy plays jake cascade bear for the second time and sleepers projecting it to be a close game andy and jake are both at full strength but we have jake beating andy by four points moving andy to one and eleven jake is projected to start drew lock versus the saints that could be kind of a shootout if sleeper is correct joe burrow against the giants so when we look at her flex options here we have danny amendola and john brown projected for the most points versus on jake's side ty hilton and sony michelle andy is projected to lose a tough one by four points to jake moving her to one and eleven moving on to week 13 we have the panthers and we have the buccaneers on by Andy is going up against Danny, and Sleeper is projecting another close matchup. However, once again, Andy is going to lose this tough one by 2.5 points. Danny does not have his kicker this week. He also doesn't have Christian McCaffrey. Isn't that funny how that works out? In the flex, Andy has Nikhil Harry and John Brown. Danny is projected to have Damian Williams, yikes, and Jackie Doyle in his flex, yikes. Let's even look at his running back two right now. It's Matt Breida. Not good for Danny. I could definitely see Andy taking this one with Christian McCaffrey on by, a kicker on by. Going to be a tough matchup. However, Sleeper's still projecting a loss. So Sleeper's projecting Andy to be 1-12 on the season. Will, what do you project for Andy? Yeah, I had to be nice, and I also had to go with 1-12. But as we found out tonight, any game can practically go her way, depending on who goes off her players. Uh, it's possible she could win maybe two or three games. I originally had one and 12, I'll admit it, but I think I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to change it to two and 11, just because we saw a lot of those were coin flips. And now knowing that Tyler made some changes to his roster and he's already struggling before that, I'm going to be moving Andy to 2-11. and 11. However, I think her ceiling is 3-10. and 10. Who knows? Maybe she'll sneak out four wins. <laughs> Next week, we're going to be breaking down running back fetish. And we may be talking about our first playoff team next week. Any last thoughts, Will? Andy, we did not mean to tear you down with this preview. Uh, we're just seeing a lot of uh, holes on your roster at this point. And I can't wait to see what you do with your multitude of draft picks. 
as well as I can't wait to see what some of your rookies will do moving forward here. I feel like you have a lot of great bright spots on your team between Cooper Cup, Irv Smith Jr., Cole Clement being a new another name I'd like to mention too, and even some of those rookie rookie wide receivers as well. But I think you'll have some tough sledding here in 2020. Please stay a part of our league. We love having you. You're a lot of fun. Uh, it's always great having another personality in our bunch. Thanks for joining on Mrs. Burroughs Team Breakdown. We will see you next week for Jake's Team Breakdown.